0: Good day, everyone. You're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 190, ww.imakecoolappsandsites.com. For closure, this is not an actual website, but if it is, I'm sorry for the person who's just going to get a bunch of people saying, hey, what the hell? There's nothing here. Anyways, my name's Alex and I'm the host of a podcast called Time for Your Hobby. And today I have the honor to have Seth as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So Seth reached out to me, he wanted to be a guest on my podcast, and I actually had his buddy, his co-host, DT, on a previous episode, two episodes ago. So now it's just, I'm gathering everybody from their podcast. I'm just taking everybody. Yeah. <laughs> There's one more. You got one more left. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him for sure. (laughs) He's my next one. That's my goal. But yes, today we're going to be focusing on you, not your friends, although DT is lovely. I'm sure your other friends are very lovely as well. But today is all about you and your hobby of web and app designing. Now, before we jump into that itself, who is Seth?
1: Uh, You know, Alex, I ask myself that like every day. (laughs) Uh, That's what keeps us Yeah, m- most of the time I uh I am a maker in general. I like to bring things into the world that do not yet exist. All kinds of art and that also includes, you know, web development and various other things. I I really like to make the internet a better place, uh build it a little better than it was 10 years ago, that kind of stuff. And I kind of carry that whole idea through my whole life. Like I I've got a million different hobbies. Um, I'm now what thirty-one? Oh my gosh, I'm thirty-one <laughs> now. <laughs> so I've got I've, I've accumulated a lot of hobbies and a lot of skills, and that's kind of what I do every day. I don't sleep a whole lot, unfortunately, because I'm a I'm just so busy all the time. I luckily uh, I web development is not only one of one of my oldest continuing hobbies, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's also my most lucrative because it is something I turned into my career now. So it is a it's a hobby, but kind of only a name, I
0: suppose. Well, before it became a career, it was your hobby. And so we're going to focus on the hobby aspect of mm-hmm. that because you, you fall in love with it and then you just turn it into something else. So you know what? I love people who take their hobby in different directions. And this is why I do this. I love to just share this with everybody in the world. So somebody can just pick up like, you know what? Web design? That's my thing. Thanks. Yeah. Thumbs up. And kind of like a 90s ad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That,
1: that, that kid turning away from the computer screen, that's, yeah. that's pretty accurate. <laughs> With their lips just puckering up, like, hmm, good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now speaking about the
0: internet, well, pretty much this whole thing is about internet. Uh, do you have any social media links, websites, or projects you're working on that you would love to share?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, like every dev that you've ever talked to, I'm sure, uh, we have... 10,000 and one half projects at any given time. So of the ones I'd like to share is is like you mentioned earlier I'm co-host on a podcast called Space Castle which is an absolute blast. We just talk about nerd stuff. Just me and my friends doing hood rat stuff. It's, it's super fun. DT's on it and then I, I can tell that the third host this other friend that you will have on this show soon <laughs> is going to be great because he shares your name of Alex. <gasps> it's meant to be. Yeah. There, it's a win there. So Space Castle, you can find us at Space Castle Pod on, you know, Instagram and Twitter, Space Castle Podcast at gmail.com, all that stuff. We're kind of, if you just search Space Castle Podcast, you'll find us. And then I've got, you know, on, on the web development side, I have a billion different projects that I'll probably end up dropping links to just mid-conversation. But you can always find me there for, you know, this specific sort of uh, direction at SethDoes.dev, which is just kind of my portfolio web dev sort of website that's
0: perfect uh, you know what to make it even easier i'll put it down below in the show notes so no matter how many links you put i'll put all of them down i'm putting them all down Each, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, this, it's gonna happen is it a challenge <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't challenge me i'm gonna do it you won't even see my like promotion my own stuff you won't see my twitter until like I don't know an hour later of scrolling and i i don't know why but I don't know if this was intended, but you said you space castle is your podcast and it's a blast. I'm like, was that a pun? Did you, did you do that? Yeah, intentionally? Look,
1: <laughs> I, it, if you're, if you're there for that level of, of pun, you're going to love the podcast because <laughs> that's most of it. <laughs> you know what? I'm a dad. I'm all about those dad jokes. I'm all about those puns.
0: So that's what I love it. <laughs> But now it's not about us being punny, if that's a way of saying it. It's about your hobby. So how did you actually get introduced to web and app designing?
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of a long story, but I guess that's why we're here. Um, so I've always kind of been a maker. My dad is, is very much a, uh, what do they call it? What's the saying? Uh, jack of all trades, but master of none. And so I kind of grew up doing all kinds of things, you know, taking apart radios and just exploring the world around me, right? So part of that came from, you know, just being uh, an artist and all that. wanted to really kind of build and explore the world and I really, really loved video games. So in high school, I abandoned my dream to be an architect because there's no work for architects uh, and realized shortly thereafter that I could potentially have a job making video games because that turns out it's a real job uh, that I learned in high school. So I started kind of developing video games as a hobby. That's where I learned most of my like programming chops. I, I I'm I'm all about the self uh, education. So I self taught basically everything um, that I know, including the programming and art design and um, you know all of the various intricacies of making a game. And I made a few of them. You know, none of them were very good. But that's all right. I took the skills that I learned making games and realized that not only is it incredibly difficult uh, to get a job making games because I had been trying for years, but a lot of those skills transitioned to something else I care deeply about, and that is making a better internet. I spend a lot of time on the internet, as do most of us, I suspect. Um, and I got, you know, in my early twenties, like like many people do, I got pretty fed up with. A lot of things around me, (laughs) including uh, the internet. So I decided I've got some of the skills, like I can learn other skills. Uh, I will try to kind of build a better one. So I started building a personal site first, just like we all do, just building stuff the way we like to. And then I slowly kind of got better at it and kind of transitioned into building bigger and more complicated projects for myself and subsequent people and clients and businesses. And now it's a job.
0: And you talk about like building a better internet. So I have to ask, I don't know if you have an answer, but what is wrong with it now and how can
1: we improve it from your experience? Honestly, that is a trillion dollar question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's lots of things wrong with it. I mean, there's stuff that is a little bit more highlighted now, like how easy it is to spread misinformation. Um, But there's also stuff that has been around since before I was even born. The parts of the internet and intranet of like DARPA era in the 70s and 80s even where there's just a level of anonymity, which is inherent in the internet. But that means that people tend to, some people feel more free to be more terrible because they have that level of anonymity. There's a screen between them in that interaction, right? So there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be people being mean on the internet but we can kind of foster communities that not self-regulate, but kind of aim away from that level of interaction. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where I like to, to live is I like to build things that, you know, point away from the, the badness and towards something better. And so I'm 30 years old. You're 31. We're probably we're about probably the same age. So we grew up when
0: the internet was kind of like the wild, wild west, especially in video games. I don't know if you've ever played Halo. Just <laughs> Have chatting, I ever? Yeah, just chatting in there was like the pinnacle of toxicity and just Absolutely. nastiness. And I like to think it got better over the years, but yeah, you're right. It's still very present. And now we're kind of into this new age where we're talking about web 3.0. Now, is that something that you see coming soon or it, there's still so many obstacles to just try to get to it? Uh,
1: yes, I do think it's very soon because I mean, it, it, if you think about internet as a timescale, I mean, it, we've only had the internet really in the public consciousness for like maybe 30 years at most. 20 is is more, more likely. And think of how much has changed since the turn of the century. Like it, it, it's crazy. It, it moves so fast. So there's the web 3.0 is a ways away in internet time, but it's maybe a few years, maybe a decade at most before it's fully, fully realized. Like, and, and with most things on the internet, it's going to be a slow rollout. It's gonna like, there's already aspects of the internet that are operating on web 3.0 ideas and standards and stuff. Um, but it, it'll it'll happen much much slower than uh, you know it, it's not a game releasing at midnight right so yeah. <laughs> it, it'll it'll slowly kind of take over and but I think it will happen very soon in you know lifetime timescales right maybe a decade.
0: And you know what, some of my listeners are not too familiar with 3.0 or web 3.0 and stuff like that. So how would you define it just briefly on what it is Ooh. compared to what we have now? I know it's hard to summarize it, yeah. but how would you say it? <laughs> um.
1: Well, okay. The The gist of it is things are going to be a lot easier to interact with. Um, you're seeing kind of, we'll we'll call it like web 2.5, right? Is the general websites that you're used to interacting with, your various blogs or Facebook or whatever are all still kind of a web 2.0. So that's kind of your reference point where things are, you know, mobile apps and user-friendly and infinite scrolling, all that stuff, right? That's your web 2.0 stuff. But things like Siri and Alexa, sorry to trigger (laughs) anybody who's listening to this podcast that loud, things like that are kind of edging into a 3.0 mindset where it's going to blend the internet and like reality day-to-day life a lot more things are going to be a lot more seamless to interact with uh the internet is going to be a much more like baseline connection to your life it's not just going to be you know a browser on your phone it's going to be part of your like everyday routine uh waking up your your mirror is going to be you know a, a screen behind the mirror so you can see the apps the weather, your to do list while you're brushing your teeth, things like that. It's going to integrate more tightly with the world. And as such, it's going to, uh, Web 3.0 is working. At, like I would say, the linchpin of the whole idea is a next level amount of security. The internet is a fairly secure place most of the time, but, you know, uh, people still use password for passwords, and that's no good. So Web 3.0 is focused a lot more on harder to trick, harder to fake levels of security. Things, biometrics, things like Google. I'm I'm getting super deep in the weeds here, so just pull me (laughs) out whenever. No, this
0: is all like giving context to your process of creating these websites and apps, because this is something that's going to be here in the future, right? And you're going to have to try to integrate and make it work with that as well. So yeah, go, you talk as much as you want,
1: share as much as you want. This is on you. (laughs) Okay. Let me give you a little bit of a a, a little nugget of, of kind of what this is going to look like. So you've all, I'm sure, Alex, you for sure have seen the new Google captures where you it's just a checkbox and you click it and sometimes it brings up images for you to choose all of the bicycles and all that stuff, right? That is actually a pretty close approximation to levels of security needed in Web 3.0. And I'll tell you why. That little checkbox... Um, when you click on it it does a ton of things um, and including human verification like checking where your cursor entered that little box how like where you clicked how it moved when you got in there and each one of those little points is an extra data point that says hey computers don't move like this or they clicked twice and computers don't click quite. like it's all very subtle um, but there's a very large amount of data points there. Web 3.0, say say that, you know, that smart mirror that I mentioned earlier, right, is you walk in front of the mirror, it does a little bit of facial recognition to see who you are, just like your phone does, if you have an iPhone or what have you, just to see, hey, this is, you know, this is Amy walked in, she's getting her toothbrush and I'm going to pull up Amy's to-do list today, right? In the background, what that's doing is... Not just like facial recognition, but also how you moved into frame in the mirror, how your, your posture is. And we're seeing little bits and pieces of this level of automation and security. Even, for example, uh, yet another one, your Apple Watch, if you have one, measures your gait, the, uh, the way you walk, right? Step to step, it, the gait is like the spacing and pace and um, movement of your legs and feet as you walk. So your Apple Watch can measure that and it can tell you now, like currently, if you have one, uh, whether you have an asymmetrical gait. So you may be walking with a limp or you may have like a hip problem that you don't really know about, but it affects how you walk. It's doing very, very subtle calculations on how it's moving. And you're going to see the same level of security here where it's going to start. Web 3.0 is going to start measuring people's gaits, people's postures, things like that to help further authenticate your user instead of just an eight character password. We're gonna see levels of security like that. And most of the time, we won't even notice it because it'll be a nice, flashy, friendly, you know, cute UI that walks you through the tilting your phone to get a good face scan, all that stuff. And we won't notice that it's taking thousands of data points to help measure who you are as a person. So it's going to be, it's, it, it's a little scary to think about because of the sheer amount of data being collected on each person. But web 3.0 is an idea that is trying very, very hard to make all of those things way more secure than they currently are, which I think is extremely important.
0: Well, if they ever do bring in a little mask out, you know, that like pleasant UI, uh, UI maybe just bring back the paperclip from yeah, Microsoft. Yeah, Cl- Clippy, yeah, Clippy, <laughs> yeah, Clippy for Clippy. sure. Just bring up Clippy. Yeah. <laughs> Back from the grave, yes. <laughs> it so, looks like you're brushing your teeth today. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Oh, damn it, Clippy! Bang. Come on, we gotta be so rude. Yeah. Um, Smart so, toothbrushes.
1: Think about it. It's yeah. It's it's gonna be a lot. <laughs> it's it's something to be optimistic and kids in
0: the future are just gonna like connect with. Automatically, like you know, how us versus our parents, like this is a whole topic about the future of the technology, but <laughs> it's very optimistic for you for your creativity with your web and app designs. so this is something we haven't touched yet, but what kind of websites or apps do you prefer to design?:
1: Well, I personally prefer really interesting, uh, like, OK, I like to think of myself as an artist sometimes that's with paint sometimes that's with code or sometimes that's with wood as I'm building furniture whatever that being said uh, the apps and w- sites that I like to build are more on the art side where it's it's playing with things I don't I have a couple of of projects that are you know pure utility or or project management software for for an enterprise client stuff like that right but the ones I like to make are like, for example, okay, I have a website that I've built called Subplot. It's currently totally private, so there will not be a link in this giant list below. <laughs> um, but Subplot is a fun idea that I had where you kind of have the a similar mechanic to Reddit where comments get upvotes and the most upvoted comments rise to the top, right? That's how Reddit generally works. So I took that idea, put it in a website where you could submit little... For single sentence seeds of a story, the starting points of a short story and subplot as a site became a collaborative short story construction site. So people would go to the site and say, you know, they'd see a half written story for the day. that's 15 lines long or something. And they could comment with whatever they wanted, another 120 characters or whatever. To continue that story. And then each day, the most upvoted sentence would get automatically added to the end of that story. And then a new set would be ready to be added the next day. So you can go in every day or every week, depending on the type of story, and help write more of that story yourself or comment on other people's editions or whatever. And you kind of, as a community, build a story sentence by sentence. And that's that's the kind of stuff that I really like. Is like, it it's kind of art, right? You're kind of writing stories, but it's also an exploration in a way that really only the internet can do. You can you have storytelling mediums like the Exquisite Corpse, which is a very similar idea, where a person writes a section of a story and passes it to the next one, and they write another section. But you get the kind of like merit based, upvote based. collaboration that you can only kind of find on the internet. And that's the kind of stuff that I really like to make is, is exploratory or things that kind of play with the philosophy of the internet. And I have several examples like that, but I think subplot's a really good one to illustrate what I'm talking about. I really like that kind of fun, collaborative art kind of idea
0: man i am loving this like when you told me about subplot it automatically automatically made me think of that childhood game everybody used to play I, I don't know if it had an official name for it but when you're in a circle and everybody says one word to continue the story yeah that's like yeah. it's just the like the basic of that and just applied it online but like more of like structured it's kind of cool like you built on that idea and- I'm sorry, I'm just geeking out over this. I'm loving this. I, I don't know how to build websites, but I love talking about it. And it just leads me to ask you, because I don't know if that's where you pull the inspiration to create this, but where do you usually pull inspiration to create a new app
1: or a website? Like everybody that does, you know, some sort of creative endeavor, writing or whatever it is, right? You you kind of are just always thinking of ideas. And I have um I have a bullet journal that I carry with me at all times, but I also have several um, online like note taking or Trello boards or whatever, uh, several places that I put certain types of ideas. So all the time, something will just strike me like on a commute and be like, Whoa, that would be interesting if I kind of did it this way. And I would just write that down and maybe think about it continually, but sometimes I'll just write the idea down and move on. So I have like a list uh, in several places of like hundreds of, Cool ideas. Some might be good YouTube videos. Some are podcast ideas. Some are websites to build. Some are furniture designs. Some are like video games I want to try to build. Whatever. I just have massive lists that I'm constantly adding to of like interesting ideas or fun things to play with. And I'll go through every once in a while and kind of go through them all again and get rid of the truly terrible ones that are like, "Was I? What is it? <laughs> four in the morning? Why? Why did I write this down? What is this?" And I'll toss those ones out. But occasionally, I'll, uh, you know, I'll finish up a project and be like, okay, I don't have anything in the pipeline. Like, let's go through that list and see if anything kind of strikes my fancy. And then sometimes it's, sometimes, you know, I'll be like, you know what, uh, a a doomsday survival guide that I can put on a, a Raspberry Pi and bury in the desert might be really fun to build. Like, let's try that. Uh, and I'll just kind of do that. So I'm kind of always generating ideas and just writing them down and forgetting about them for six months or two years or whatever.
0: And then I'll come back to them. This is, this sounds like you and I are the same person because right now I'm the type (laughs) of person that just likes to create anything. And for some reason, because I do podcasts, I used to produce music, draw for fun, do some graphic design like DTU, but like for fun, I'm very uh, like elementary at that. And now I am creating a board game, a podcasting board game really (laughs) and i want to find out a way how i can actually implement it to be played online i have no knowledge about that but i'm the type of person that if i don't know how to do it i will do as much much research and do some
1: trial and error to try to make it yeah exactly (laughs) i i have called myself on several occasions a serial collector of skills because i've always been the like if i want to make a board game I don't know how to make a board game, but yeah. <laughs> I, I know that I can find out how to make a board game. So I'll like, I'll learn, I'll teach myself, I'll get into the weeds, I'll do research for six months, I'll whatever. And like, if there's, I, I have so many things in the world that I want to do that you kind of have to hop on the internet, find a good website, learn all about it
0: and then try yourself. And I think that's a very important thing for creative people today is not necessarily knowing the answer, but how to find it. Yeah. Because there's vast information online and it's just about just consuming a lot of it to create something that works for you. And it sounds like you've mastered that, the ability to find what you need. It it might take you a long time to find the answer, but you'll find it.
1: That is, uh, there's some jokes about being a programmer where most of it is just googling right you've i'm sure you've heard that the the key is i've i had this conversation with a client of mine a couple of years back and he said uh jokingly like this is this was all kind of friendly but he said uh why am i employing you when i can just google and copy the code myself and i i said like uh, again this is joking because that sounds really <laughs> aggressive um but I said, well, yes, you can Google, but you're paying me because I know what to Google and what to mm. copy and what not to copy. <laughs> and that is important. I think that that's another thing, not to sidebar this again, but that's another thing that I think the internet generation that we're seeing now is kind of happening. There's uh, it, th- That's what's happening with the internet generation, right? Is we saw, I'm sure you've seen political cartoons or something where You see some kid on his phone and he like in a library and the librarian's like, oh, you can't do research because you just only have your phone and we're losing our knowledge. We're losing the ability to know things because we have the Internet, so we don't remember the knowledge. Right. But the key difference there is, yes, we don't we don't remember the knowledge because we don't need to know, you know, um, what kind of fabric is on the seat of a 1971 hemi right? We don't need to know that. What we do know is how to figure that out. And I think that's what's changing is the internet gives us the tools, to find out information so that we personally don't have to remember the information itself. We just have to know that we can find it somewhere else. And that's exactly
0: why. So I'm a big big supporter of giving resources for people who want to try to do new things. And for the podcast community, I've gathered around over 150 sites, tools, and all other stuff like that and added it to a Google Drive document. I'm not fancy. I don't know how to do a website. Not yet, maybe in the future, but <laughs> I added it there. So it's easy for people to just go. It's not pretty, but it's there and it's resources. They can just pick and choose whatever works best for them. I give a little description of what the site does and they can use it the way they want to make
1: their podcast work as best they can that is excellent that is the kind of work that i think is most important on the internet uh is is that kind of down and dirty reference which this may be a a, a hot uh, a hot take here but i think that wikipedia is the single most important informational development that humanity has ever made you know what i would agree absolutely it's a, yeah it's so important and it's wild that it's free <laughs> if you have an internet connection <laughs> it's absolutely wild the the depth of information available there and i that's that is the stuff that i think is most important is preservation of information preservation of old video games i'm i kind of have somewhat of a hot take here as well that <laughs> these um you know rom and emulator websites right yes. are, that are illegally i will say illegally distributing Video games, there is a, a cutoff date there, right? There is a very important thing that they're doing, and that is preserving games that otherwise would die. O- especially old, like 70s games, arcade games. Um, like the 70s had a bunch of like really interesting Pong sort of games, and those would all be gone to history if it weren't for these like preservationists, these mm-hmm. archivists. The Internet Archive is such an important resource. And that's, so you compiling a list of, of websites that podcasters can use is like some of the most important work, man.
0: <laughs> well, actually
1: I got the inspiration
0: from, I don't know if you know this website, it's called archive.org.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: basically the library of the internet for people listening and you can upload all that you want. It's free and it just captures, it's like a time capsule of the internet.
1: Yeah. Archive is an absolutely wonderful place. It, it one, if you've ever been there, you know how amazing and important it is. But two, it it is run a lot of the time by volunteers. I actually um, was a maintainer f- uh, for a little bit. It was a it was a lot of work that I didn't have a lot of time for, so I didn't continue. But archive.org is it's the kind of thing where, like, if you told me about it, I wouldn't believe that it was real because it sounds it, it sounds too good to be true. It's free, you just upload, and yeah. it just preserves everything. Free there. They also, they bought the Wayback Machine. I don't know if you remember that. The Wayback Machine was a website that is now just part of archive.org. But you could just go see it. They Wayback Machine archived websites in the early days when you still had to like manually crawl a website to put it on an indexer like Google. So, it was searchable. Um, So, if you uh, went to Yahoo, you could say like, I don't know, dog website. And it would like show you a list of dog websites that all had to be manually entered, basically. So with the Wayback Machine, every time somebody would crawl, like manually enter in one of those sites, it would flag that and take like a a copy of that site as it was publicly available and store it. So you can go and find like now it's just part of archive.org, and you can just go to go to there and, and use this tool. But you can go to like the the PepsiCo website from 1998 and see like the ads that they were trying to run in the late 90s as part of this website that they were doing. And it's full of terrible like like old MySpace backgrounds and stuff. It's It's absolutely a wonderful place. Oh, I feel like we should just go surfing through it right now. <laughs> I know, I know. Seriously, it's giving me nostalgia vibes.
0: Now uh, you mentioned this a little further back earlier on that you love just creating as many things as you can, and a question just popped up in my head: Where has there ever been anything that you were not able to create due to, let's say, limitations, things that you could not find, like tools, or it just would not work? But it's there. You just want it to work.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. There. I mean, that's. These days, those are the projects that I think most about. Uh, I have a lot of them. There's most of the time uh, it's, I, I don't know how to do this. So I'm going to put this project on hold while I figure out the three tools or skills I need to make this work. And then, so that kind of spawns, you know, three other projects that I have to, to work on, right? Uh, as I gain more skills or sometimes in, in the case of subplot, for example, literally build a tool that will let me build that site. So sometimes, yeah, I do. I I run into an issue where a thing that I need to use doesn't exist. So um, sometimes that will completely stall out a project. And you know, occasionally it's like, oh man, in order for me to make this tool, I need like a master's degree in a field I'm unfamiliar with. So this is probably not going to (laughs) happen. Right. But sometimes it's like, oh, I just need to build, you know, a, a jig out of wood and then I can make this this piece the way i need to, right? Sometimes it's very quick, sometimes it's not. But i definitely run into stuff that i don't know how to do or that a tool doesn't exist yet or is cost prohibitive. That's another big one. Um where i just don't have the, you know, thousands of dollars to spend on a thing to make it work. That that definitely crops up. And i'll tell you, i'll tell you one thing, i almost never stop a project. I will pause the project. I will put a project on the back burner. I will put it further down the list, but you know, you never know who you might meet. Someone you might meet might be the guy that has the master's degree in that field that I don't know anything about. And it's like, cool. Can I just like, have you help me with this project? And suddenly that, that project is now back on, on the table, you know? Yeah. It's like, a,
0: it's like a, like you're a painter. You started your paint and you're like, Oh I mean, you know what? It needs a little something. I don't know what it is yet, but then you can just come back to it later and finish it. So we're we're talking about tools themselves and there's programs you use, there's different types of things you can use. So for you, what programs
1: do you use and what programming language do you prefer to use? Oh man, Um, there's a lot. One thing about development and programming in general is there is an absolute cornucopia of tools. You kind of have to know hundreds of them. There's, um, you know, what's, what's called IDEs, which are Basically like fancy text editors, right? That lets you write code and it will kind of parse through that code as you're writing it and let you know like, oh, this is misspelled or this doesn't work or this is not connected or whatever. Um, It's a tool to help you write code more efficiently. Um, So I've got a couple of those. For work, I have one for, uh, I use um, PHPStorm primarily for my day job, but I much prefer to work inside a program called Atom, like A-T-O-M. Um, which is not technically an IDE, but it's close and it is very fast and lets me set up my work environment the way I want to so that I can work the way I want to most efficiently. Mm-hmm. So I, I work in Atom most of the time, um, but there's there's tons of other tools. Like there's software called Git, which is a source control is what it's called. And basically what that does is let me keep versions of all of my code and store it in a um, centralized repository. So I can have a a repo full of of my source code. And if I um, make a mistake or whatever, I can revert to an old version of that repo. I can undo the changes. I can also do what's called branching and basically make a duplicate copy of my code that I can edit and then merge back together with the original one. um, So that that way you you always have a working branch of code and you can mess around with the other branch and do whatever you need to. It's pretty cool. Git is wonderful, um, but that's just, you know, one of the other hundreds of tools you need to know, right? There, There's a lot, but the the general kind of stack, is, there. there's things in, in programming called stacks, right? Which are just collections of code and tools. So for example, there is one called the LAMP stack, which stands for Linux, Apache, PHP, and MySQL. And what though what that does is describes a internet server and app environment. So if I say I'm building this on the lamp stack, that means the server is going to be Linux. That means that the the chunk of software that directs, like if you go to uh you know google.com, there is a chunk of software that takes that web address and points it to a server and more specifically a file and folder on a server with an IP address. And the chunk of software in the LAMP stack that does that is called Apache. Next, you've got MySQL, which is the M, which is a database software. And that just describes, you know, it, it, MySQL is probably the most common database. It's a relational one, which means like you have rows and columns like you would in a spreadsheet. And one column points to one row and you can kind of connect rows together based on the columns that they share. Basically, it's just a database chunk of software. And then lastly, the P stands for PHP, which is the server-side coding language. And that is what you know handles password encoding. That's what builds out the actual code that displays on the website and sends it to the browser itself. So the internet is basically built into halves, what's known as front-end and back-end. The front-end is what you and everybody interacts with every day. That's when you go to google.com, the thing you see on your screen is the front end of the website. The back end is when you type in a search in google.com, it will send that information to a server and the server will do a bunch of functions on it. It will do some searching, it will do some database lookups, it'll do all kinds of stuff and that's all the back end and then it will take all the information that it got and send it back to the front end to be displayed for you. So the LAMP stack describes a backend environment. The reason that you don't really hear about people talk, well, you don't hear a lot about people um, referring to front end stacks very much, although it's becoming more common now is because it's all basically the same. Your browser can only display three things, and that is HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. HTML is the bones of a web- website, you know, the structure of the whole thing. A box here, a box there. The CSS is how it looks. Um, colors and font styles and things like that. JavaScript is the interactivity of it. So if you've ever like, I don't know, dragged to reorient a board in Trello or clicked on an upload button to upload a new photo in in Facebook or something like that, that's almost always handled with JavaScript. So your browser can only display those three things. So everything that happens on the server on the end side, has to send those three things back to the browser. So every, like PHP, MySQL, your databases, all of your backend server language, all of that stuff will compile down to HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and then send that to your browser to be displayed. That, welcome to Web <laughs> Development 101. <laughs> I have my pen and paper.
0: Actually, I actually have a yeah. post-it note. I don't know if that's big enough to learn to write down everything.
1: So <laughs> That uh, that concludes this course uh you can take your homework on the way out <laughs> that's there's gonna be a pop quiz right yeah the, uh <laughs> next, next episode we'll do a pop quiz well you know it's kind of like i don't know i'm simplifying it completely
0: it's got listening to a podcast wow that's the finished product that's the front end the back end is me editing it for 10 hours <laughs> adding exactly. and removing so it's simplifying what you're saying but you you put it more elegantly That's so for me i'm just butchering it so yeah no that that's that's right on the money <laughs> though you nailed it yeah, I did it. I did something good. I sound <laughs> informed. I sound like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, <laughs> so you said there's so many tools and techniques out yeah. there, and I have to ask you: What is the most recent technique you learned that just made you go, oh, "This changes everything. This is a game changer. Oh my goodness!"
1: Yeah. So this is actually a new language. So I'm uh, developers and programmers in general are constantly learning new languages. And they're called languages because they are like languages. Um, There's vocabulary and syntax. It's like learning a literal actual language. So the one that made me go, whoa, okay, this changes everything um, is a new language. And it's called Vue. And that's V-U-E. Vue is one of a new set of JavaScript frameworks like React. React was built by Facebook. There's Bootstrap, which was built by Twitter. Vue, which is an independent one. Um, but this is kind of the transition point to the web 3.0, like we're talking about. Um, These JavaScript frameworks let you do backend and front end work with the same set of code in the same language at the same time. And they handle a lot of things for you. So you don't have to do anything manually, which is really nice. View is just very elegantly written so that it's really easy to pick up. It's really easy to understand. And it takes very little work to do a lot of building, which is really, really wonderful.
0: That is so cool. Like somebody saw a problem and just, you know what, here's the answer. And then, and it's just going to get better from there. There's always going to be a new language where it's solving a current problem. And Mm -hmm. uh, sorry for interrupting, but you you got me geeking out on something I know nothing about, but (laughs) you got me geeking out. I love being interrupted. And so, well, I think I remember, was it a year ago? They're trying to teach kids more about programming in schools. And by the time, like my son's one, by the time he's in school, uh, maybe he'll, there'll be even a newer one. I know I was interested. There's, I think it's called Kano. It's one of those computer building like toys for kids, but it teaches kids about building computers and also coding. So they get to like code things within Minecraft, which is. So it'll be my excuse to learn how to code
1: too. <laughs> hey, I, I think that that is the future. I think that learning how to code is going to be just another class to take in school. Like it, it's going to be ubiquitous. Everybody's going to need to know how to code in the future. Coding 3D printers, like
0: the future is just endless possibilities. You just yeah. bring your creativity try to find a solution to a problem, it'll be a lot easier. And once again, with web 3.0, it's that communal aspect. People are sharing ideas kind of like Wikipedia. So sharing (laughs) that knowledge is just gonna help improve situations and just the general human race, hopefully, and get rid of those halo toxic people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I man, when you're talking about like halo lobbies, I I used to play um, Call of Duty competitively uh, a while there. That that's how I like bought my first Xbox and all kinds of stuff, right? So uh I remember being in Call of Duty Modern Warfare lobbies and just the kind of vitriol you'd hear, you just thankfully, you just don't hear that stuff very often anymore. Uh which is really great because it's terrible. But also it it serves as a very like stark reminder of what the internet used to be when I was growing up. It was. It's very different now. Some ways it's worse. Some ways it's much, much better. Um, but I, I, I cannot help but be hopeful for the future of the internet based on how far we've come so far. The new generation will never know about LimeWire. They will I never. Know, know. For real. <laughs> oh dang, LimeWire man. Yeah, that that's
0: that was a gamble. If you don't know what Lime LimeWire is, just go look up LimeWire on Google, yeah. and you'll see. The chaos that it was, (laughs) it was, (laughs) it was, it was was cool, but it was chaos. Triple X, the movie wasn't triple X, the movie.
1: (laughs) No kidding. It felt like going to a casino, right? Where you'd be like, oh, okay. Do I, I do really want to download this song, but once it's finished in (laughs) 10 hours, is it going to be the song that I want, or is it going to be a child screaming, or is it just going to be a virus? It's going to ruin my computer.
0: The combination <laughs> of
1: all three. <laughs> yeah. It could be any other thing. You just click it and you'll find out later. It's the gambling life. And that's what led us to where we are today, which is wonderful. I know, thank goodness. I don't even remember the last time I just clicked on a link and was like, you know just what, I'll figure near. it out later. Like, man. Just,
0: you know what? Cool. There's a bunch yeah. of points and stuff like that. Why not? There's an explanation point that shouldn't be there. Some dashes, some weird symbols. Yeah, okay. That's got it. Symbols seems fine. <laughs> and so back to you, what would you say is the best part for <laughs> you on the hobby level of designing webs- websites and apps?
1: Well, I, I have a very distinct separation here where on the hobby level is wildly different than a professional level. On on my the hobby level, what I love most is that it's not professional. I can screw around with things. I can experiment. I can try weird stuff that isn't going to work, but I can still try it. Whereas I never get opportunities like that in a professional landscape. So as, as a hobby, what I love most is just experimenting, just trying out new stuff to see what works. Maybe it's fun. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe it will go into some kind of loop that freezes my computer. Who knows? It gives me the opportunity to play is, is really what it is. Yeah. And then you could take your time. There's no rush. Exactly. And I can, I can experiment with a thing and occasionally it's like, Oh, this is really interesting. I'm going to work. I'm going to make this like a real thing. Hold on. And this now I have yet another project. (laughs) A whole bunch
0: of external hard drives. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I did actually recently build a server to put in my closet. That's full of like terabytes and terabytes of hard drives. It just gets really hot in that closet. Yeah, it truly is. (laughs) Like right now, outside where I am, it's about 40 degrees. And in my closet, I have a little thermometer I can peek in there. It is currently about 82. So, yeah almost good to cook an egg. <laughs> yes. it's, it's
0: hot. Yeah, it's hot. Well, you know what? It's uh, I'm in Celsius and apparently tonight it's going to go down to minus 32. So oh. in Celsius and Fahrenheit, if I'm correct, minus 40 and minus, sorry, minus 40 in Fahrenheit and minus 40 in Celsius are mm-hmm. the same thing. So yeah, that's when close they to that. Yeah. That, that, honestly, <laughs> man, that's too cold. <laughs> it, it is. That's why, that's why, uh, I need to build a server in my house to keep us warm. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and so for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started creating apps and websites?
1: The first challenge is I think something that anybody who's listened this far in the podcast has felt and that is that there is a literal mountain of tools to learn. It is incredibly difficult to break over that bell curve and and actually get a foot in the door, right? As you have to learn Git, you've got to learn all these coding languages, you have to learn how the internet functions and how it works and all of that stuff just to even start. Um, so that that was the biggest hurdle for me. And as I suspect it is for most people that get into this hobby or into this profession is that there's just a, a, an absolutely massive amount of tools to learn. And what makes it even worse is um, JavaScript frameworks like React, like Vue that I mentioned earlier, there is a new one that comes out every nine hours. So the internet moves very, very quickly. And it's honestly, it's it's really hard to keep up with there. When I was doing hiring, just as a little sidebar, I, when I was hiring other developers to fill out a team for a company I was working for, we would actually put candidates that had a four-year university degree at the bottom of the list. Because if you start studying these things, and you take four years to learn your thing, and you graduate with that degree, the things that you learned in university are no longer relevant. They're not being used anymore. So it is incredibly fast-paced, and you have to learn things quickly, and you have to learn them often. And that is probably the hardest pill to get over when you first start in this, um, in this profession. There's just so much. I would have to imagine... For people who are in university right now who are
0: listening to this, I guess your word of advice, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's also to learn laterally. So, also learn things that are current as well to give you that extra edge
1: later on. Absolutely. So, to a little bit of context and some advice, (laughs) there's the, the things that you learn in university aren't useless. They just weren't working for what I was hiring for. I was hiring in an agency, and agencies are the bleeding edge. They have to move very, very quickly and they have to do things like right up as fast and as new as possible. So, if you're in university studying, you know, programming or what have you, there's still plenty of jobs, there's still plenty of work. Like, you don't take my word and think it's some kind of horror show. You're not studying to be an architect, are you? Cuz there's there's no there's no work for architects. So, <laughs> <laughs> still plenty of work. So don't don't give up your dreams if you're in university right now. That being said, there is a reason that programmers have 10,000 and one-half hobbies and 10,000 and one-half projects because we're constantly trying new frameworks, new languages. We're learning. You kind of have to, unfortunately, this is an absolutely unfortunate part of the career is you have to also maintain this as a hobby. So you work all day and then you also kind of have to do this after hours on your own time, learning a new language or trying a new framework or whatever building yet another project so that you can keep your skills sharp, so that you can stay competitive, you can stay employed, whatever it happens to be. The internet moves so fast that you have to also move fast. And that gets very exhausting, to be honest with you.
0: It's kind of like uh, being a professional athlete. You can compete at these competitions, but on your days off, maybe you have to work out. You got to keep
1: working those muscles and stay in tip-top shape. There's very little actual time off. And there's a joke among developers that a vacation is just the ability to work from some other location.
0: <laughs>
1: we don't really take a lot of vacations. I I took one over the the winter break, but that was the first vacation I've taken in 2 years. It's just it's it's relentless, um which is definitely a downside, but it's also super fun and rewarding. So, you know, I don't hate doing it on my va- on my time off anyways, so, you know, it's not yeah, too as bad. long
0: as long as you're still loving it. That's what's most important, right? Exactly. And so we talked about the challenges when you first started off programming. What is your latest challenges
1: these days? Oh, man. Um, my, My latest challenges these days is, to be honest, is finding enough time to do them. I have to balance so many other hobbies. I unfortunately have a million things I haven't done and I want to do most of them. So I'm kind of juggling a million hobbies and it's really hard to prioritize uh, certain things over other things. Like if, like I, I need a, a coffee table in my house. So is it, would it be a better use of my time to go to my workshop and build a coffee table or to sit here and tinker around with subplots more to get it working better? Like it, it both of those are valuable uses of time, but like, which one do I choose? Cause I only have one evening, right? So that is my biggest challenge is, is prioritizing the time to build all of the projects that I want. I have so many cool ideas. And like every time I have, I've got a couple hours, I'm going to work on this project. I'll sit down and kind of get in the weeds and then I'll get sidetracked and some new idea will pop into my mind. Like, you know what? Maybe I want to work on this for a little bit too. And I'll like, just just, so many (laughs) projects, man. (laughs) No, That's a
0: good thing. You're keeping yourself busy. You're learning at the same time and you're stretching your creative muscle.
1: Yeah. And it is, it is very rewarding. And I'll tell you, when I lay down into bed and like, you know, I think about projects constantly, it does keep me up for a while. But as I'm like that 20 minutes right before you fall asleep, where you're just like the, the, the jobs of the day have kind of left and you're just kind of on your way to dreamland, I feel great. You know, I sleep well. I, I really, you know, I feel like I got a lot in. I feel like I learned a lot. And that's always, always good. Always good to end the day when you feel like that. That's awesome. Like for me, myself,
0: right before I go to bed, I'm trying to think like creative ways, like, how can I improve this project? What could I do? And it's it's not stressful for me. It's just like a creative aspect, like, all right, this is something I really want to do. And
1: I just fall asleep within (laughs) the first five minutes and never actually create anything in my head before going to sleep. (laughs) That uh, honestly, that sounds so nice. When I get I I often get in states like that, like, how would I fix this? How would I how would I make this better? And then suddenly it's four thirty in the morning. It's like, well crap. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I need to stop thinking about that. (laughs) Your eyes are wide open. You haven't blinked since like 12. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So sometimes I would really like to just be able to fall asleep in five minutes. Thank you. (laughs) No, not sleeping can
0: lead to stress. Uh, It's a weird segue I'm making. But for you, what would you say is the most stressful part about programming or designing websites or apps? The most
1: stressful part is probably when things don't work particularly when it doesn't work and you don't know why that is, can be downright infuriating. <laughs> uh, it's always, it, it's always something stupid. Like you've missed a semicolon or forgot to close a bracket or something. Uh, but you have to search through lines and lines of code and you're trying, you like type out a whole bunch of code to like test this thing and that works fine. So why doesn't the app work? Well, I don't know. You go back in, it, it's, it, that gets very stressful. Um, it's not so bad as a hobby because I can just be like, well, it's fine. I'll think about it later. Like I'll just come back to it tomorrow or whatever. But as a job, you're like, okay, well I have two hours. This is, I have a deadline. Like this has to be finished. That gets very stressful. But what's cool about doing this as a hobby is I can kind of confront that stress in a new light where instead of like, I'm up against the deadline and this has to work. It can be like, well, why isn't this working? And I can kind of explore the intricacies of the code and figure out, you know, maybe there's a bug in the source code that I like the third party code that I am not actually writing, you know, some library that I'm implementing, maybe there's a bug there and I can contact the developer or maybe I can fix it and submit a pull request in GitHub or in Git and and they can implement my code into their project or whatever. It kind of gives you a little bit of leeway to explore the space and just kind of be a little more leisurely and find the best solution to a problem, not just a solution, which is often what you find in a professional environment because it just has to work before the deadline. So get one that works, and that's that. You don't necessarily find the best way to do it. It's funny you mentioned that because, uh, so I'm based in Canada.
0: Uh, I'm not sure where you're based, but uh, we had a big, let's say, let's say, not a scandal, but a big oops. I call it an oops, uh, (laughs) where the government had this new pay system, which is a Phoenix system, which was like all direct. And they just pushed it like it was not complete. And I think like till last year, even to this day, this has happened like four or five years ago. Some people are still having trouble getting paid. Jeez. So like no money's coming in. Some people are getting overpaid and then it's just people had lost their house and they just want to push this program. And now I think it was IBM, IBM was making it. And now IBM is making another one to replace it, and they're trying to push that one out as fast as they can as well before it's even done. So, oh man,
1: <laughs> that's see, that is stressful. You're stressing yeah. me out just for killing <laughs> like it. It's giving me like, like war flashbacks. Like, God, I remember when we had to push a project like that, that was like mm-hmm. we everybody in inside the, the company knew it didn't work well, but like it worked well enough. So, we pushed it out and it's fine. Oh, stressful, man.
0: <laughs> now, another stressful
1: thing I know it's a little off
0: topic, but I've Rewatched a show called Silicon Valley. I know there's certain things in there that is kind of accurate, and some other things that are completely not accurate as well. But there's one little thing I have to ask you. Now, for when you are programming, are you a tabs man or a spacebar man?
1: Oh, I'm a tabs boy. <laughs> no, you know I'm which tabs I'm referring to, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and that is one of the few aspects. I mean, not few. One of the many aspects of that show that is incredibly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> There's, it's always a lighthearted fight, but it's almost always a fight. Do you use spaces? Do you use four spaces or two spaces or do you use a tab? Yeah, I'll fight you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, once again, I sound like I am knowledgeable about this stuff. You're right. Yeah. Silicon Valley helped me with that. <laughs> yeah. Silicon Valley is great. Yeah. It was, it was really good. I had to rewatch it. Uh, so back to you. I'm sure it's all about you. I'm sure. I know. I know it's about you. Uh, What would you say are some misconceptions about people who are
1: programmers? Misconceptions about people that are programmers are probably what you think, like when you see like hackers in TV, right? That is, it's my biggest pet peeve of a trope is that like the hackers like click, clack, click, clack. I'm in. Turn off the lights. See, I'm a, a hoodie, <laughs> dude. Oh my gosh, it's my biggest pet peeve. Because most of the time, it's like, yeah, you know, you can access a network and turn off the lights, right? But that none of that works how you just described it. It doesn't work at all like that. You can't just like. So it's very frustrating, um but I think that that's like it's definitely it's definitely the 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 like hacker trope. It it's it's frustrating and it's it makes me. Like, I talk to people about fixing their passwords, right? Like talking to my parents about like choosing a stronger password or or using a password manager, which you should be using a password manager. Everybody always do that. And they're like, oh, you know, why bother? Because hackers can get into anything anyways. And it's like, no, they can't. If you use a better password, that's the whole point. <laughs> so it, it's very frustrating to have like that kind of misconception where it's just wizardry with a keyboard and anything's possible. And you just, you know, spend 20 minutes and type out a thing. And now you have this code that, uh, I don't know, infiltrates the government's servers and you pulled out some like none of that works how that works. And it's not like some flashy 50 monitor setup in a room full (laughs) of Red Bull in the dark. And like, that's not, it's usually one dude on a MacBook Pro in a Starbucks who types there for six months and finishes a project. Like it's It's much less glamorous, but that movie trope has made such a an unrealistic. uh, Okay, (laughs) I'm I'm getting down to the weeds of why this bothers me so much is because that trope made such an unrealistic expectation of how coding works that people like my boss portray super fast deadlines and do not give me enough time and expect me to work eighty hour weeks to make that happen because. It's so fast and easy like they saw in the movies and that's not, it's very frustrating because I end up having to work 80 hour weeks and that's no good for anybody because the boss doesn't understand how long things take and how hard it is and that's very frustrating. Yeah, I, w- I wish that movie makers and TV show makers would take a little bit more care and show like how difficult it actually is to to code something. And how long it actually takes and how frustrating it can be and all of that stuff. And nobody really gets that because it's not interesting and I get it, but still, it it makes my life worse.
0: (laughs) One thing that just, I find so stupid and they're just like so serious is whenever they have like a video or a picture or something and like enhance, enhance Oh my gosh,
1: dude. (laughs) Enhance is the worst. That's not possible. It doesn't work like that. Although, okay, I say that, but now that we're getting... AI-generated upscaling and AI-generated images, Uh, we're getting fairly close to that actually being a thing. Mm -hmm. But like in the movies back then, even then, like you take it with your Nokia phone from the year 2000 (laughs) (laughs) and here's that photo. (laughs) Oh yeah, this is his license plate. Are they like, we'll get like facial recognition off of like an ear and a sideburn? It's like, no, (laughs) that's not, come on, James Bond, that's not how that works.
0: There's I know it's also very random. It's just a weird thing of the hist- of like history and funny thing about technology. There is a Nelly song. I think it was like My Boo. And the person in uh, I forget her name. I think it's Kelly. The girl Kelly was texting Nelly, but when they zoom into the phone, she's using Microsoft Excel and she's like, "Where are you?" <laughs> that is actually hilarious. <laughs> And back then um, they were like full on serious about it as well. But I'm like, <laughs>
1: yeah, nobody knew any better back then, man. Excel. He's not going to um, answer. <laughs> that is so, that is actually spectacular. I'm going to find that and like set I, it as my wallpaper I will, send, wallpaper you, I will or send
0: you that that video in the timestamp. It's just, <laughs> it's gold. Excellent. It is gold.
1: I, I'm going to bring this conversation back a little bit real fast. That is the kind of thing that web 3.0 is going to make the current web look like is it's going to be archaic and quaint. It's going to be so adorable. It's like, oh, you actually had to like type in a password? That's how old school. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be called boomers. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> no offense to
0: boomers, but yeah. <laughs> we're going to be internet boomers, man. Yes, internet boomers. Yeah. You use LimeWire, MySpace, MSN?
1: Ew. I are, I was talking to my my niece and nephew um who are both in their like 10 to 15. Early early teenage years, and neither one of them knew what MySpace was. Mm -hmm. It's like okay, uh, one I have a lot to tell you, but also MySpace is still around. Like it's still Mm -hmm. a thing. I think it's more of a music thing now, right? It is more of a music thing. Mm -hmm. Although there is a uh, an open source project, a side project that is like old school MySpace again. uh, If I can find, if I can remember the link to that project, just a you know another dude like me who happened to have nostalgia for that and made. Uh, version of it so you can like make a profile and have your bulletins and edit the html on your your page all that stuff it's it's exactly like old school myspace like 2007 it's great and speaking about open source i've been using this uh i think it's called a web
0: browser i think it's called a web browser yes i have like I feel like i just am yeah. old now uh brave <laughs> that's the one i yes. prefer to use i don't know what is your it's a weird question but what is your preferred browser I, to use
1: i also use brave i support I support financially Firefox and Mozilla because I think their work is very important. But Chrome, well, okay, so Chromium-based web browsers like Brave and Chrome and a bunch of others, most of them, ex- actually all of them except for <laughs> Firefox, <laughs> they they do things very well. So it's hard to hard to beat for a daily driver browser. Brave is excellent because it's privacy focused. I like I said, I also use Brave. Brave is a great web browser, I love it. This episode is sponsored, no it's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish. That would be great, yeah. Uh, but okay, that's good to know,
0: yeah, cause I use Firefox and Brave as well, so. Those are the two best options, man, you nailed it. Yes, I did something right again, two, <laughs> twice in one episode. See, you're a pro, you're an expert. <laughs> and actually speaking about it, being an expert, uh, do you have any word of advice
1: for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? You have to kind of love the challenge. You have to like solving puzzles and kind of be a, a problem solver in general, um, which I think most people are, but that is most of what this hobby is. It is puzzle solving. It's why doesn't this work? How do I make it work? I need to build this thing. Like, how do I how do I build that? And it it's it's a lot of problem solving. So you have to just kind of be prepared to spin your wheels sometimes, hit your head against the wall sometimes, like figuratively. You kind of just have, prepare yourself to solve puzzles a lot. It's hard and it is sometimes deeply frustrating, but there's nothing quite like finishing up a, a, a cool app or a cool website and like sending it out into the world and people are like, oh, this is super fun or subplot's really cool. I get to write short stories with my friends. It's like, man, it's just nothing as good as that. It's so
0: good. I feel like your whole group of friends, you, DT, Alex are all, I could be wrong, but I feel like you're all designers. You're all creative. You're all very passionate about this. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: Yeah. definitely.
0: And so, yeah, you're absolutely right about the other thing. Sorry, I got lost track of like what you're saying. I was just in, in awe of your awesomeness. If that-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know. Put that on I your gotta fridge, go, like I'm Alex gonna, I'm gonna I'm like, oh. go, yeah, I'm gonna go like work on some project so that I can be humble again. Like, oh, yeah, I'm actually <laughs> terrible at this. I remember now, <laughs> and then I'll just send you a tweet,
0: like, you're awesome at <laughs> like yeah. 4 a.m. I was just thinking Friends. about it, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> Uh, so we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again at the end. Do you have any social media links websites or projects, many, many projects that you would love to share with the listeners?
1: I have many, many projects. You can find me first and foremost on the Space Castle podcast. Um, that's Space Castle Pod on Twitter and Instagram um, or SpaceCastlePod.com um, where we've got all this stuff. I'm actually currently rebuilding that site. You can find us there. That's the project that I am most actively working on. I have lots of others to keep an eye out for. Like we're building, me and Alex are working on a set of D&D narrative campaign playing cards to help dungeon masters construct more compelling campaigns. I'm Mm -hmm. working. uh, Yeah. So, uh, you know, you just follow us on Twitter and there's a billion different projects. You can also hop into our discord if you want to hang out. It's great. We talk about cool stuff all the time, movies and projects like this, all that good stuff. Um, but everything there can be found at spacecastlepod.com. If you have any interest in working with me on some web based projects, uh, you can find me at sethdoes.dev and we can just kind of work on some cool stuff. Shoot me an idea. If you're like, Hey, I was up at four o'clock and I had this weird idea for might be a fun app. Like shoot it to me. Maybe we can work on it.
0: You're, you're talking about me, right? You're talking about me yeah. and my boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you specifically, <laughs> Alex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's perfect. I'll put all of that information down below so people can go check that out. And of course, you know, show you some love, show you some support and hopefully be able to work with you. Maybe somebody here is like, oh, I have this idea or it's like, oh, I'd like to improve and help you out and just like create that collaborative. Yeah. That word I can't say. Yeah. Collaborative. Cool. Yes. Absolutely.
1: Cool. <laughs> I think the internet needs more
0: collaboration. That's the word. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. I'll put that down below. And now for my last question. I know I've answered, I've like, I've just geeked out as well, but this one, <laughs> you get to put me on the spot and you can test Ooh. me out. You can do whatever you want. I am yours. Weird way of saying that. But do you have any questions for me
1: about programming, web design, app design? I want to hear about this board game a little bit because you said you wanted to maybe put it online. What What might <laughs> that look like? Do you want people to be able to play it online or just, you know, view? Yeah. What's going on yeah. with that? <laughs> So I
0: want to do a printed version, so like a board game, board game version, but I also Mm -hmm. want to have one where it's a PDF so people can print it out, but also a version online. So the premise of the game, I don't want to give out too much information, but maybe by the time this uh, comes out, this episode coming out like probably in April or May, maybe it'll be out by then or I'll reveal reveal more. But basically it's about pitching new podcast ideas by combining cards together. Ooh, fun. And there's like different topics, so it's like, there's a person and there's other cards. I won't reveal what they are, but it's, it creates chaos and it actually forces you to try to think on the spot. Uh, I'll you know what? I'll send you what I have so far on Twitter to get, show you what I have. And maybe you can, and I will send you a copy because I do need play tests just so oh, yeah. see what works, what doesn't work. And, uh, yeah, I just, once again, I started this out of the blue, but a month ago, I'm like, Hmm, I want to create a board game like, but podcasting. And then I started working on Canva on like the art design and then started writing the rules. Well, I wrote the rules first. I'm like, Oh, this actually works. And I rewrote the rules again. Cause I'm like, okay, well, this is a different element. The first way I had it, it was pretty bullish. It was like singling out one person. I'm like, that's not going to work. So <laughs> I, I modified it, but, uh, yeah, I have a few people helping me out with it as well. And no, I don't know where it's going to take me, but once again, like you, it's that creative aspect. It's like, I'm just spitting it out there and it is what it is
1: and I'm loving it. You know, I have, it sounds, I honestly, it sounds wonderful and I would love to be a playtester tester anytime. It sounds great. Yeah, perfect. I'll send you the Google drive
0: document where I have like the card templates, the rule books or the rule book, and that I'm still working on and the, it used to have a game board element, but I got rid of that. So it's a whole thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, the iteration is the key to success, man. And being very flexible because I'm 30, yes. I'm not as flexible as I used to be. I don't think I was ever <laughs> <Get up>. flexible. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've been feeling that my own self. I really need to get back into shape. Sitting, sitting around coding all day is turns out is not great for your health need to like move. Well, you know what? I've been squatting this whole time. Oh, yeah, damn. Yeah, yeah. See? In my head. You my are head, the sorry. pro. In my you, head. Oh, <laughs> no, not not well, physically, in my head yet. <laughs> I mean,
0: in, in my count. head
1: you're squatting. So I think that counts.
0: Damn it. Now I got to go work out to be humble again. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Seth, for just coming on and geeking out with me. You were more knowledgeable, but you really brought out my... Curiosity for programming. I love it. I don't know much about it, but I do love it. I do want to learn more. And if you guys want to show Seth some some yep, 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 tongue twister. If you want to show Seth <laughs> some support, who a whole bunch of S's. Yeah, too many S's. Uh, <laughs> too many S's. You can go check them out. I'll put all the links down below in the show notes so you can check that out and show him some love. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like this episode, you know, you can leave a review or even you know join my patreon there's some interesting tiers and you know it's optional it's not going to make me stop the podcast or continue the podcast it's just it's there if you want to show support i still do it just for the amazing people like seth see i'm just you're an amazing person seth you're amazing man (laughs) you're making my head too big oh don't worry mine is just as big as it's like it's bald and big and it's just like It's a biodome. (laughs) And so, yeah. But once again, Seth, I cannot thank you enough for just coming on the show.
1: Yeah, no, I had an absolute blast. I'd love, 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 love this show. I've listened to it for a long time. It's great. You're great. It's wonderful. Thank you for having me on. And if, since you have more hobbies, you're more than welcome to come back. You know, I'm always, (laughs) I'll be on any time you'll have me. I have a million hobbies, which means infinite content for you. (laughs) Dope. Whenever you're ready, I'm back. Like we can schedule
0: something after this for in a month. I don't care. Let's do it. Uh, Yeah. You, you, you send me a calendar (laughs) invite. I'm I'll, I'll make it happen. Dope. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.